0: Firstly,
1: the early shepherds. Well, if we go back to the very beginning of the Bible, uh, the first recorded shepherd, uh, apart, of course, from God, uh, is recorded as uh, Genesis 4, verses 3 to 4, is Abel. When we read in Genesis 4, verses 3 to 4, that Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions and Yahweh had regard for Abel and his offering. So here is the first recorded shepherd in the Bible. uh, Abel being the one who was the keeper of sheep. And um, as we we read there, um, he not only kept the sheep but he also understood the relationship with the sacrifice that he was to give and, and the use of the, the flock that he had, the firstborn of the flock. So Abel, possibly the first shepherd. Genesis 13 verses 1 to 2, Abraham is a shepherd. His uh, as we've got titled there, the rich shepherd. And we read there that Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him into the south and Abram was very rich in cattle in silver and in gold. So there we have Abram having very much cattle uh, which of course would include sheep and, and and other cattle as well. So we've got Abel, we've got Abram. Moses could also be considered to be a shepherd. Moses was leading the flock to salvation, And in Isaiah 63, verses 11 to 13, we read there, Then he remembered the days of old Moses and his people, saying, Where is he that brought them up out of the sea with the shepherd of his flock? Where is he that put his Holy Spirit within him, that led them by the right hand of Moses with his glorious arm, dividing the water before them to make himself an everlasting name, that led them through the deep? as a horse in the wilderness, that they should not stumble. So here in Isaiah, talking about God uh, leading the people to salvation, uses Moses as the shepherd who would lead that flock. And of course, David. The shepherd king, as recorded in 1 Samuel 16, verse 11, and Samuel said unto Jesse, Are all your children here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not sit down until he come hither. So here, while Samuel is going through the various children of Jesse in order to anoint the next king, we have David being recorded as the youngest who was out keeping the sheep. And of course, it was fairly consistent and standard that it was the youngest that uh, this job fell upon. It wasn't exactly the choicest job. So often the youngest would be left to, to tend the sheep. And in First of Samuel 17, continuing on, um, when David goes to Saul, he says, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. So here's some more of the life of David as the shepherd looking after the sheep. And of course, when David wanted to build a house for Yahweh and Nathan the prophet came to him and we have that promise recorded in Second of Samuel 7, and in particular in verse 8, it's referenced here. Now, therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, thus saith Yahweh of armies, I took thee from the sheep's goat, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And so here we have again the reference to David being taken from that job as the shepherd to become king. And in Psalm 23, a beautiful psalm written by David. What's interesting here is that David actually identifies himself as the sheep, which is an interesting consideration um, as we see that Jesus is also called both the shepherd and the sheep. And here in Psalm 23 verses 1 to 4, a psalm of David, Yahweh is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he gets into that vision of himself as the sheep. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, thy comfort me. And here's this picture of that Yahweh is the shepherd, leading David as the sheep. Of course, um, in that... Comparison between David being both the shepherd and the sheep. We know the words from Isaiah 53 and verse 7. Talking of our Lord, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. And you know, when you consider these early shepherds, uh, we can see that there is a relationship and a, uh, a, a, a point that each of them have in relation to our Lord Jesus Christ. So we saw Abel and uh, as a shepherd. He gave the firstfruits of his flock for a sacrifice. Well, in 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 23, it says, But every man of his own order Christ the firstfruits, after they that are Christ, that is coming. So... Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ giving himself as the sacrifice, as the first fruits. We saw that Abraham was a shepherd over a large flock, and our Lord Jesus Christ is a shepherd over a large flock. We saw how Moses, as the shepherd, led the flock through the Red Sea to salvation, and, and you've got that image of the Lord Jesus Christ leading his baptized flock to salvation. And David, we saw, was a shepherd who followed God and became king. And the Lord Jesus Christ was a shepherd who always followed God and in the future will become king. So here we have early shepherds and we can start to see how they link to our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, as uh, the nation developed and as time went by, uh, after David was no longer king, no longer on the scene. We know that the nation fell into idolatry and uh, they for the most part really had turned their backs on on God as a nation. And so what we have is we have the shepherd prophecies and we're going to have a look at Ezekiel chapter 34 which is a chapter dedicated to this uh, shepherd prophecy. Obviously, we're not going to look at the whole chapter in detail, but it's worth spending a little bit of time here because what we're going to see is really the prophecy of our Lord Jesus Christ being the Good Shepherd. And so here's, here's a time leading well before our Lord Jesus Christ was calling himself the Good Shepherd. So Ezekiel 34. And for those that have a wide-margin Bible at the top of the page, it says, A reproof of the shepherds. So that really gives us a, an indication of to what to expect in Ezekiel chapter 34. So let's just pick it up from verses 1 to 6. And the word of Yahweh came unto me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say unto them, thus saith Adonai Yahweh unto the shepherds. Woe be to the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Ye eat the fat, and ye clothe you with the wool. Ye kill them that are fed, but ye feed not the flock. The diseased have ye not strengthened. Neither have ye healed that which was sick. Neither have ye bound up that which was broken. Neither have ye brought again that which was driven away. Neither have ye sought that which was lost. But with force and with cruelty have ye ruled them. And they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And they became meat to all the beasts of the field when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and upon every high hill. Yea, my flock was scattered upon all the face of the earth and none did search or seek after them. So that's the words of God to the prophet. And here's the things that we pick up from those few verses. This is what were some of the the problems that had arisen under the leadership of these shepherds. We saw in verse 3 they didn't feed the flock. In verse 3 they didn't strengthen the diseased. You know, if, if there was a lamb that had fallen over and hurt itself, broken its leg, well, the shepherds didn't care, didn't do anything about it, just left them to die, Uh, and didn't strengthen them. Verse 4, you haven't healed the sick. Again in verse 4, you haven't sought the lost. In verse 4, again, you rule with cruelty. And in verse 5, you've allowed the sheep to be scattered. These are the things that God says that these shepherds had done in the nation. And so God then directs his attention to the shepherds in verses 9 to 16. We'll just read verses 9 to 16. Therefore, O ye shepherds, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus saith Adonai Yahweh Behold, I am against the shepherds, and I will require my sheep, my flock, at their hand, and cause them to cease from feeding the flock. Neither shall the shepherds feed themselves any more, for I will deliver my flock from their mouth, that they may not be meat for them. For thus saith Adonai Yahweh, Behold, I, even I, will both search my sheep and seek them out, as the shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day, that he is among his sheep that are scattered, so will I seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in a cloud and dark day. And I will bring them out from the people and gather them from the countries and will bring them to their own land and feed them upon the mountains of Israel by the rivers and in all the inhabited places of the country. I will feed them in a good pasture and upon the high mountains of Israel shall their fold be. There shall they lie in a good fold and in a fat pasture shall they feed upon the mountains of Israel. I will feed my flock and I will cause them to lie down, saith Adonai Yahweh. I will seek that which is lost and bring again that which was driven away and will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick, but I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. And when you read through that, what you find is that God has an answer to each of the charges against these shepherds here. Incidentally, in uh, verses seventeen to twenty-two, He then turns His attention to the flock, but we're not going to look at that tonight. We're just going to focus on this section here to verse 16 and so we we find every single one of those charges is answered this is what God says in verse 14 I'll feed them with a good pasture in verse 16 well they weren't uh, they weren't uh, helping the the diseased but in verse 16 I will bind up that which was broken you know if that sheep has a, a broken leg I'm going to bind that up and I'm going to mend it verse 16 I'll strengthen that which was sick The charge to the shepherds is they're not seeking the lost. Well, in verse 16, God says, I will seek that which was lost. In verse 22, I will save my flock and they will not be a prey. And in verse 12, where we saw the the shepherds had let the, uh, the the flock be scattered. In verse 12, I will deliver them out of all places they that have been scattered. Every single one of the charges is answered, but it's answered by God saying, I'm going to do all of these things. And how is God going to do these things? Well, he makes the promise in verse 34, verses uh, chapter 34, verses 23 to 24. I will set up one shepherd over them, and he will feed them, even my servant David. He shall feed them, and he shall be their shepherd. And I Yahweh will be their God and my servant David, a prince among them. I, Yahweh, have spoken it. You know, obviously this is not talking about David because David had already been long dead. So it's talking about Christ, the greater David. In fact, if you flip over to chapter 37 where we're talking about now the resurrection of the dry bones and, and the time period associated with that. In Ezekiel 37, verse 24, we read there, And David, my servant, shall be king over them, and all shall have one shepherd. They shall have walk in all my judgments and observe my statutes and do them. So again, in that time period, it references David, but really it's talking about our Lord Jesus Christ So he is the one promised to deliver on all of these things that God says he's going to do. But You know, a really good Bible marking exercise for anyone, young people or old, is to start to do a comparison between Ezekiel 34 and those wicked shepherds and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a little bit later, we're going to add a third column to this. So if you are going to do this as a Bible marking exercise that's actually going to end up being three columns. But the charge in Ezekiel 34 to the shepherds was you don't feed my flock and yet when our Lord Jesus Christ came we saw how he feeds the 5,000 in Matthew 14. The evil wicked shepherds hadn't strengthened the disease but in John 6 and verse 2 which was just before the Lord Jesus Christ fed the 5,000. We've got all these people seeing his miracles and they follow our Lord into the mountain. And we read in John 6, verse 2, they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. You know, the word diseased is the word thenio for those that are interested, which means feeble or weak. They hadn't healed the sick in Ezekiel 34, but our Lord Jesus Christ, in Mark 1, verse 34, we are told he healed many that were sick. You know, that happens after, well, that, that reference there is after he heals Simon's mother. And you've got all these people coming to the door and they're bringing their sick ones for him to heal. It's a different word there, again, for those that are interested. It's the, the word kakos, kakos. And it means to be amiss or miserable or sick or sore. The the wicked shepherds hadn't sought the lost. And in Luke 19 and verse 10, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was talking to Zacchaeus, after Zacchaeus had come down from the tree and he said he was going to go to his house and the people murmured about it. And the Lord Jesus Christ said, the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He's fulfilling this prophecy. The wicked shepherds rule with cruelty. And yet in Matthew chapter 9, a chapter which has healing after healing. You've got the healing of the paralytic. You've got the healing of the dead girl. The healing of the woman. The healing of the two blind men. The healing of the man that was unable to speak. And we read in verse 36 that he was moved with compassion towards them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. Such a contrast between those that ruled in wickedness. You've allowed the sheep to be scattered. Well, in John 17 verse 12, when Jesus was praying to God for his disciples, he says, those you gave I have kept and none of them is lost. And so here we have the Lord Jesus Christ delivering on the promise in the past that God had made concerning those prophets. And with that in mind as the context, we come to the parable in John chapter 10. Then John chapter 10, The Lord Jesus Christ gives the parable early on in that chapter and then when the people didn't understand he started to explain exactly what he meant John chapter 10 and he's giving them this parable of a a person that enters into the sheepfold and if they don't go through the door but they climb in another way then they're a robber Uh, only the shepherd enters through the door And he talks about how the sheep will know the voice and hear the voice. And when you read that, I don't know about you, but it it, it actually sounds pretty straightforward, really. And yet the people didn't understand what Jesus was talking about and they needed him to explain it. And if we just go and look at exactly what Jesus was saying in this parable, uh, here are... Probably the five key points of the parable, verses 1 to 5. He says, anyone who tries to sneak into the sheepfold is a thief and a robber. Makes perfect sense. The shepherd, on the other hand, enters through the door. That's the second point. The third point is the sheep know his voice and he knows their names. The fourth point he makes is that the shepherd leads the sheep. And the fifth point that he makes is that the sheep won't follow anyone. If a stranger comes in, the sheep aren't going to follow that stranger. They're going to flee from him. And you know, in this parable, Jesus actually says that we find, we discover there's three things about our Lord Jesus Christ. He says that he is the door, he says that he is the good shepherd. And we also find a third point, which is that the Lord Jesus Christ is also the one that has the right to enter the door as the shepherd. And even though the door is a topic on its own, let's just briefly consider it as it's part of this prophecy. You know, when I think about the Lord Jesus Christ saying, I am the door in verses 7 to 10, this is the sort of image that i get in my mind i get this image of a a sheep fold it's out in the open it's walled around so the sheep are kept safe and here we have the shepherd sitting at the doorway because no one can get through the sheep can't leave uh, without him directing them and and so when the lord jesus christ says i am the door this is perhaps a an image of how that might have applied back in those days uh, with the sheepfold. And notice that there's actually a change in verse 9. You see, in verse 9, suddenly where he says, I am the door by me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. So all of a sudden we're not talking about sheep anymore, are we? We're talking about men entering in and being saved. It's talking about mankind being the sheep. And if they go in via our Lord Jesus Christ, then he says that they will be saved. So what's he talking about when he says enter in? Enter into what in particular? Well, what's he actually talking about? Well, there's probably some hints that we can get from three Bible passages that we've put up on the screen here. John 14, verse 6. I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me so it's something to do with access to the father you know in that uh, particular reference of john 14 jesus is talking about going away to prepare a place and and thomas says well we we don't know where you're going so we don't know the way and then the lord jesus christ replies saying well i am the way Romans 5, verse 1 to 2, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So again, it's, it's, it's access to the Father. It's uh, through our Lord Jesus Christ. And in this case, it's also talking about the grace that comes from the Father. And Ephesians Two and verse eighteen. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. So, in each of these three cases, we have when it's talking about. Well, what are we entering into? Well, it's we're entering into a relationship with our Father and uh, into the salvation which can come with that. And it's only through our Lord Jesus Christ because He is the door. He is the one sitting at that doorway and giving access to those uh, that. Uh, that need to have access to it. And I thought this was also quite appropriate in consideration of the door. In Matthew 7, part of the long Sermon on the Mount, the Lord Jesus Christ says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and a few there be that find it. And so you've got this picture of these two gates. You've got the gate, that's the wide way, and that'll take you to death and destruction. And then you've got this narrow way. It's, It's governed and it's protected by our Lord Jesus Christ and it is through that gate that will lead to life eternal. And that's the gate that the Lord Jesus Christ stands at as the door to allow us in. Well, Jesus also said in verses 11 to 18, I am the good shepherd. You know, the word good here probably doesn't really do it justice. It can be easily translated as the lovely shepherd, the beautiful shepherd, the perfect shepherd. And what it does in just those few words is it reveals his love for his sheep. And I think what we find in this parable and in the explanation are three qualities of the Good Shepherd. These are the three qualities of the Good Shepherd that we find if we look through this parable. His character is all-attractive, his concern is all-inclusive, and his call is unchanging. Let's just consider each one of those. His character is all-attractive. This beautiful, perfect shepherd, well, his love for his sheep is absolutely complete. There's no qualification. And you know what it's compared to in this parable? It's compared to the thief, the wolf, and the hireling. These are the three contrasts to the good shepherd. So you look at these contrasts, and you really start to get a, a picture of the good shepherd. He's contrasted to the thief. You know, the thief is quite cunning. He comes across as being quite caring. But in reality, all he wants to do is steal the sheep. You know, I think that the thief is like the false teachers and religions today who see the sheep as merely a way to enrich themselves. I read read this um, saying which I thought was quite apt. There's a lot of butchers around who pretend to be shepherds. Also the wolf. The wolf is a ferocious and a fearsome beast. And the wolf has one strategy. It's to come in and it's to scare the sheep and to scatter them. And once they've all been scattered, he targets one sheep and he goes after that one sheep and he isolates it from all the other sheep and the rest of the flock and he isolates it until it is lost and lonely and helpless. This is like anything that can lead us away from the truth, can get into the way of our fellowship, lead us away from the ecclesia, lead us away from studying the word of God or feeding on the word of God. It can take us away from other believers. That's what the wolf does and it can be anything. It could be our hobbies, it could be our friends, it could be our family. And when it gets in the way, whatever it might be, when it gets in the way, we can become spiritually exhausted and that's when it moves in for the kill. And the hireling. A hireling is a person who is employed to take care of the sheep. So he's paid a wage to do his job. He doesn't own any of the sheep, but he's doing it for his own ambitions, isn't he? Take a wage, build some wealth. So his life is not lived for the welfare of the sheep. It's for collecting his paycheck. And we're told in this parable that as soon as that hireling sees any sort of trouble, he cuts and runs. As soon as he finds a better op- opportunity somewhere else, he goes and he takes up that opportunity. You know, the word translated hireling here, it's, it's often used in a positive sense. Uh, but here, clearly, it's denoting anyone who is unfaithful to his trust, especially, for example, those that might actually be preaching for a wage. So there are the three contrasts between the good shepherd, the one whose character is all attractive compared to the thief and the wolf and the hireling. His concern is all inclusive. He cares for each and every one of his sheep, every single detail. You know, after our Lord Jesus Christ laid his life down on the cross, it wasn't at that point that he suddenly stopped caring for his sheep. He is caring for his sheep today. He is caring for those that need his care. He defends us when we are challenged. He protects us even if we don't think we need protecting. He hasn't left us in the lurch because he has loved us all the way to the end. And you know, he doesn't just know us by name, he knows us intimately. He knows our strength, our weakness, our limitations, what goes on in our minds before we even think it, what burdens we're bearing, what causes us to stumble, what causes us to be encouraged. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And not one of his sheep is excluded, which is why his concern is all inclusive And we see it in verse 16. There's other sheep, not just the sheep that are in his fold, not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. There are many sheep. And of course, we know that God gathers his sheep from every tribe and from every nation and from every tongue. And he's gathering his sheep and he's bringing them every day. And we hear about them from all corners of the globe. And thirdly, his call is unchanging. You know, in verses 27 to 28 of John 10, we read, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. You know, with modern technology today, we're getting voices coming all from different directions in all the different sorts of technology we might have, mobile phones, televisions, all of that. There's voices coming in, and you know, they're all vying for our attention, but we still hear his voice, and he still hears the voice of his sheep. And it's even the lazy sheep or the stubborn sheep, the sheep that keeps running away, the sheep that doesn't want to hear his voice, He always calls them back. Not any single thing can snatch them out of his hand. And the promise of his call doesn't change. Be my sheep and I will give you eternal life. That is the same call that the Lord Jesus Christ has given. That call never changes. You know, we're told... There are three things that the good good shepherd does in in this parable. We're told in verse 11 that he lays down his life for the sheep. We're told that he brings other sheep into the fold in verse 16. and, And the shepherd knows God and obeys his commandments in verses 17 to 18. There's three things we're specifically told that the good shepherd does. And you know, there are... Verses that prove each one of those. So, number one, he lays his life down for the sheep. Well, we know the words of John 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his son and his son gave himself. Romans 5 and verse 8. But God commendeth his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So the good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. He brings other sheep into the fold. 2 Timothy 1, verse 9. Who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began? And 1 Corinthians 1, verse 9. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. He is calling us. He is still calling us. And others are coming into the fold. And what a blessing it is to see that still happening today. And the third thing is that he knows the Father and obeys his commandments. And our Lord Jesus Christ displayed this every single day of his life. John 15 and verse 10. When our Lord Jesus Christ is talking about us being part of the vine and becoming the fruit, he says, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. And John 12, verses 49 to uh, 50, where many of the chief rulers were told in um, the, the earlier verses that many of the chief rulers believed in Jesus, but they they didn't they didn't confess their belief because of the Pharisees, and our Lord Jesus Christ says, for I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, He gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak, and I know that His commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father said unto me, so I speak. So he knows his father and he obeys his commandments. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ wasn't just the good shepherd that came in the past and and gave this parable. The Lord Jesus Christ is still the good shepherd and will be the good shepherd in the future. And when we go back to that earlier table, we've now added our third column. So we're looking now at the wicked shepherds, which we saw from Ezekiel 34. We saw the Lord Jesus Christ in the past and all those aspects of his ministry and how he fulfilled that promise. But when you have a look at the Lord Jesus Christ and the promises in the future, you can see how he is the good shepherd when he returns to this earth. Now, where you might want to place a table like this, perhaps in Ezekiel 34, perhaps in John 10, Or perhaps even in Psalm 72. So let's just have a look at each one of these. The wicked shepherds didn't feed the flock. Jesus fed the 5,000. Well, in Revelation chapter 7, where there's this vision of a great multitude, the lamb is on the throne, he's clothed in white. And the elder says, who are these in white robes? And the response is, well, you'd know. And the response comes, it's, Those that are washed in the blood of the lamb and they serve the lamb. And then we see in verses 16 to 17, they shall hunger no more for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them. Isn't that amazing how that is so accurate to our Lord Jesus Christ as the good shepherd. The wicked shepherds hadn't strengthened the disease. The Lord Jesus Christ did all these miracles and in the future, In Jeremiah 30, we're told, I will restore health unto thee and I will heal thee of thy wounds. Now, of course, this particular prophecy was talking about the restoration of Israel and Judah. They were scattered, we're told, in Jeremiah, and they would return to the land. Yahweh would heal them. And the final fulfillment, of course, is when our Lord Jesus Christ will return. That's when they will truly return to the land in total fulfillment the wicked shepherds hadn't healed the sick the lord jesus christ healed many that were sick and in first of john 3 and verse 2 we're told when he shall appear we shall be like him what an amazing promise that is the lord jesus christ who is currently eternal and divine will be healed of mortality and we will be like him no more sickness no more disease no more weakness Will be like our Lord Jesus Christ. The wicked shepherds hadn't sought the lost. The Lord Jesus Christ said he came to seek the lost. And in Psalm 72, verse 13, talking about the future time, we read, He shall spare the poor and the needy and shall save the souls of the needy. The people that are lost, the people that are needy, our Lord Jesus Christ is going to spare those people and save the souls. In the past they ruled with cruelty. Our Lord Jesus Christ had compassion when he was on the earth and in Psalm 72 verse 7 we read, In his days and the days of our Lord Jesus Christ in the future shall the righteous flourish an abundance of peace. There's no more cruelty, there's only the abundance of peace. And where the wicked shepherds had allowed the sheep to be scattered and the Lord Jesus Christ said he hadn't lost any, Well, we're now reading that we looked at tonight in John 10. We read in verse 28, as we saw, I give unto them eternal life. So it's talking about a future time. They shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. None will be lost. So what an amazing side-by-side comparison. Now, the prophecy of the wicked servants, the Lord Jesus Christ, and how he fulfilled that promise in the past and will also fulfill it. In the future. You know, when the Lord Jesus Christ was just talking to his disciples leading up to the time when he was going to ascend into heaven. You remember in John 21 verses 15 to 17 that the Lord Jesus Christ is having this conversation with Peter. John 21, verse 15 to 17. So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. The Lord Jesus Christ says, feed my lambs. Verse 16, he said again a second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He said, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he said, feed my sheep. And in verse 17, he says a third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said, Lord, thou knowest all things, thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. You see, our Lord Jesus Christ was just about to ascend into heaven. And yet he's saying, feed my sheep. Because his shepherd way didn't end there. It wasn't his ascension and that was the end of it. While he's in heaven, we are his sheep. And obviously in this record here, it's it's mainly the point for us around the fact that he considers his people as his lambs and his sheep. But there's the other message, which is, well, if we're all the sheep, we need to love one another. And we also need to be shepherds to one another in our Lord's absence. So that's really a, a key point, isn't it? It's not just that our Lord Jesus Christ was the good shepherd, but that he tells us be the good shepherd to each other. You're the lambs, you're my lambs, but you can also be the good shepherd and display these characteristics and these qualities one to another. And as we close, we consider the words of Luke 12 and verse 32, because we are his sheep, he is our shepherd. And we've got this amazing promise, fear not, little flock for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom and that's the time that we await when the good shepherd will return to this earth when he will establish his kingdom and when uh, the glory of God will fill the entire earth and he will be the shepherd king in fulfilment of all of the prophecies and all the hope that we have in the Bible and we have that promise that it's what God wants to give us And that's what we can go away with from this particular talk. God wants us to be in the kingdom. And as his sheep, we look forward to that time.